And you can be finding your way in your Bible to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. Last week we looked at how Jesus is risen. Today we're going to talk about how he is reigning. Somebody say, man, he's on the throne. And so I've heard people say to me, it's Pastor Josh, where was Jesus when I needed him? Where was Jesus when I lost my job? Where was Jesus when I was diagnosed with stage 4 liver cancer? Where was Jesus when my son died? Where is Jesus now? Well, the Bible makes it very clear where Jesus is now. The day Jesus became flesh and blood, He emptied Himself of the glory and the power and the dominion and the authority of God when He left the throne. But He defeated sin as a man And he conquered the power of death and he put the powers of evil to open shame. The Bible tells us in Colossians 2.15. Now he has ascended back to heaven to his heavenly throne and all authority is his alone. The song Majesty by Jack Hayford says, Majesty, worship his majesty. Unto Jesus be all glory, honor and praise. Majesty. Kingdom authority flow from his throne unto his own, his anthem raise. So exalt, lift up on high the name of Jesus. Magnify, come glorify Christ Jesus, our King. Majesty, worship his majesty. Jesus who died, now glorified, King of all kings. What Paul wants the Ephesian church to do is to open up their eyes and see a kingdom that is invisible. Open up their spiritual eyes so that they can see that kingdom. And that's what the Lord wants us to do today as we look at Ephesians chapter 1 and we're going to begin in verse 15. So if you have your Bible, stand with me. Smartphone, tablet, whatever it might be. Open it up, turn it on. The words will be on the screen. You follow along as I read. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which He has called you, what are the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of His power toward us who believe, according to the knowledge of His great might, that He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at His right hand in the heavenly places." Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him his head over, the, over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Let us pray. Father, we are thankful for your word today, Lord. We're thankful that Jesus is on the throne. That nothing can happen in heaven or on earth that is not authorized by the King. 
Lord, we thank you, dear God, that today, as children of the King, sons and daughters of the King, we have a glorious inheritance waiting for us. Lord, let us live like we know the King. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. People give their hearts to all kinds of kings. You know, our hearts were made to be ruled. And also, here's another thought. We were made to rule. Our hearts were made to be ruled and, and God was on the throne of Adam and Eve's heart. But there was a day whenever Adam and Eve gave the thrones of their hearts over to the enemy. And they lost dominion over the earth. And ever since then, we've been trying to regain it. Mankind has been trying to regain it. But the problem is, until the rightful king is upon the throne of every heart, humankind will never have dominion again. But one day, there is a day when all will be restored. There is only one king who is worthy to rule your heart. And what Paul would have the Ephesian church do, and Paul only spent a, a little bit of time with the Ephesians before he had to move on. And so the Ephesians were on Paul's heart, and you can see that he mentions them constantly, and he tells Timothy to go to them, and Timothy becomes their pastor. And that's how important the Ephesians were to Paul. But Paul only spent a little bit of time with them, and what he wants the Ephesians to do is to have their spiritual eyes open so that they can see Jesus seated upon the throne. Because listen, if you can get that perspective and realize that Jesus is on the throne, it doesn't matter what you face here on this earth. If you know that your king is on the throne, it's all going to be okay. And you'll be able to face it with courage. And you'll be able to go through even the darkest times believing that your king will welcome you in one day into his holy habitation. I want, to see, I want you to see five characteristics of the reign of Christ this morning. Number one, Christ's reign is characterized by indescribable glory. Look again with me in the Scripture at verse 18 again. Verse 18 and look at the last part there. He says that you may know the hope to which He has called you, what are the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints. Now you think about the glorious inheritance that we're going to receive one day. What will it be like? Many people have written songs about it. What will it be like? John tries to put it in words what he sees whenever he gets to see the third heaven. He's caught up in the third heaven. He uses terms like gates of pearl, made out of a single pearl, streets of gold, sea of glass. It's almost like he, he can't describe what he's seeing, but the only thing he has is these earthly terms to use, and he, he uses the most precious and most wonderful things he can imagine here on this earth. He uses those to describe what heaven must be like. And then he sees this great white throne. And he describes the one who's seated upon the throne. The Ancient of Days is what Daniel uh, refers to him as. He sees him there on the throne. And he talks about how he has eyes all around, meaning that he has perfect knowledge. And he talks about his power and whatever he speaks and whatever he says. 
And he describes the one on the throne as radiant and robed in white. And he hears the voice heralding the Lion of Judah. But whenever he looks, he sees a lamb standing as if it had been slain. John sounds a bit like David in the Psalms. When David says, whenever he considers the Lord and his knowledge... He says, such knowledge is too high for me. I cannot attain it. And if you were to try to describe heaven, it would be indescribable. And the Lord of glory seated upon the throne is indescribable in His glory. And Paul talks about one day we're going to see this. In Romans chapter 8, he says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the glory that is to be revealed to us. One day we're going to see Jesus on the throne in all of His glory. 1 Corinthians 2, 7-10 through 10, But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, now listen to this, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love Him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. In other words, we can, we can know it and we can feel it, and it's through the Spirit but we, can't, we haven't seen it yet. And our mind hasn't even imagined yet. For the Spirit searches everything in the depths of God. Bart Miller wrote the words, I can only imagine. And then he thought about, well, will I stand in your presence in awe of who you are? Or will I fall to my knees? That's what he said. But you know what the Scripture says? It doesn't say I can only imagine. It says I can't even imagine. I can't even imagine what it would be like to see Jesus on the throne whenever He returns in glory. 2 Corinthians 4, So we do not lose heart, Paul says, though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day, for this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Think about that for just a minute. When he talks about the eternal weight of glory. The Old Testament word for glory, which we've talked about before, is the word chavod. Remember you got a whenever you say it? Don't, don't hock a loogie, okay? Chavod. It talks about the the weightiness of the presence of God. How when He falls, He falls with weight and glory. And He says, one day that's what we're going to see. And we look forward to that thing right now that is unseen. Because we know that all the things around us, everything that you see right here and right now, as great and wonderful as it may seem to you, or as terrible as it might seem to you, all of this is passing away. But what's eternal is the glory of God. And it is absolutely indescribable. 1 Corinthians 1.29 So that no human being may boast in the presence of God. Whenever you get into that place and you see the glory of Jesus, there will be only one response. And that will be to fall down at His feet and worship Him. That's the only thing that can be done. 
indescribable glory characterized as the reign of Christ, but secondly, immeasurable power. Jesus' reign is characterized by this immeasurable power that you can't even wrap your mind around. I mean, you think about verses 19 and 20. And what is the immeasurable greatness of His power toward us who believe according to the working of His great might that He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at His right hand in the heavenly places. And when I think about the power... Well, <clears throat> I was... Uh, watching one of my sons, I won't tell you what his name, but um, at his choir program, and he's, he began to kind of cut up with, this is at school, he began to kind of cut up with the friend next to him, and I gave him the look. And whenever he, he, his eyes connected with mine, he just stopped. And then he kind of straightened up, and he started singing like he was supposed to. And so after it was over with, I was bragging to Allison. I said, I got the power. <laughs> but come to find out, Allison was giving him the look all along. And it wasn't my eyes that he was looking at. It was hers that gotten him to straighten up. The Lord Jesus has all the power in the universe. I mean, I think about this and I think there is more power in the left pinky finger nail, the tip of it, the white part of it, of Jesus than in all the universe. And what's even greater than that is for me to think about the fact that He calls me to pray and He tells me that whatever I pray, if I pray it according to His will, it will be done. So all the power in all of the universe resides in Jesus and He calls on me to pray to Him. I have a direct line of communication with the most powerful being in the universe. Why should I be discouraged by anything? Nothing is too big for my God to accomplish and no one is too small for Him to use to accomplish it. He has immeasurable power. The immeasurable greatness of His power. And notice He says, toward us who believe. It's like the power is available for us. All we have to do is plug into it. All we have to do is believe in it according to the working of His great might. It's not us. If anybody here accomplishes anything, you can't take the glory for it because the power belongs to Jesus. It's Him and Him alone. So I can't be discouraged and I won't give up. Not only does He have indescribable glory in His reign and immeasurable power, He also has universal dominion. Look at verse 21 again with me. Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named. Now you think about that. How many last names are there? In the world, let alone first names. It doesn't matter who you are or what family you came from. If you think that you have authority or dominion, Jesus has dominion over it. Whenever Mufasa tells Simba, everything the light touches. You seen the movie? He's speaking of dominion. Dominion. 
Where is the Lord's dominion? Well, it's universal. There, in other words, there is nowhere that He is not sovereign. Nowhere. And here's the key. Here's the thing for you to remember and you to get and take home with you today. If you don't hear anything else, even the dominion of darkness yields to the sovereignty of Christ. There is nowhere that is outside the sovereignty of Christ. You can't get there from here. It doesn't, that place doesn't exist. I am sovereign in my home. Whenever Allison gives me permission to be. <clears throat> the, children, the children in my home have their own rooms. And so that's their space. Abigail in her room has a little castle. It's a little tent, a little pop-up tent. But it's a little princess castle in her room. And she has a little tiara that she puts on her head. And we all tell her that she's a princess. And when you come in her room, and this is what I tell the boys, you're in her room. This is her space. And you have to do what she says. They don't like that. Now my children have their space in my house. And that's their space. But they are still under my roof. And you know what this means? This means that the devil still lives in my father's world. And he cannot go an inch further than the Lord allows. Christ is sovereign. And whenever He died, the Bible says, Colossians chapter 2, that He put the devil to open shame. Sin no longer has dominion over us who know Him. The devil has been dethroned from the heart that has put Jesus on the throne. The woke left has no dominion. Cancer has no dominion. Coronavirus has no dominion. Depression has no dominion. No power in hell has claim over you if you've put Jesus on the throne of your heart. He has a universal dominion. Not only does He have indescribable glory in His reign, immeasurable power, universal dominion, but fourthly, He has eternal authority. You remember what Jesus said whenever He was raised again and He came to His disciples? He told them in Matthew 28, 18, before He, descend, before he ascended, He said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Me. All authority. If ability is, if power is the ability to rule, and dominion is the sovereign territory of that rule, then authority is the right to rule. He is worthy of the throne that He sits upon. Without the power to rule, the Lord is like Barney Fife. Just a badge and an empty gun. You remember he had that one bullet that he kept in his pocket and he, when, he, when he needed to pull his gun out, he couldn't get it out of the holster and he couldn't get the bullet out of his pocket and he... When he finally got it in the gun, he shot himself in the foot. 
But without the authority to rule, the Lord is a lot like Hitler. Just a cruel dictator. And don't get in his way. But Jesus not only has the power to rule, but he has the authority to rule. He is worthy of his reign. He's earned the right to take the throne of the universe by his death, burial, and resurrection. And he loves you with an unending love. And he will only ever do good to you. You can, I promise you that. In Ezekiel's vision of the throne in heaven, there's these cherubim, and there's four of them, and they're on all four of the corners of the throne. And then it's almost like the throne is on a wheel or on wheels. And wherever it goes, the cherubim carry it around. And it turns and it goes and it moves about. And it's this idea, whenever you really put the full picture together, it's the idea that no matter where the Lord goes, He's always seated upon the throne. The throne goes with Him. And it is an eternal authority that He wields. I can't tell you in two years who will be in the White House. And some of you are already worked up about it and you spend half of the day thinking about it. I can't tell you who will be the governor of the state of Florida, but I can tell you who will be on heaven's throne and who will be on the throne of my heart in two years. And that's the Lord Jesus. And not just in two years, 10,000 years. Throughout all of eternity. Forever and ever. What? Amen. And so Jesus is reigning with indescribable glory, immeasurable power, universal dominion, eternal authority, and lastly, inescapable eminence. Well, what does that mean? He's near, and you can't get away from Him. You can run as far as you would run, but you can never. When, our, when we trust Christ in our hearts, whenever you allow Jesus to take that place, that seat on your heart, our heart becomes the sovereign territory of Jesus. And this is called the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. He comes to live in your heart. And then corporately, we become the living body. And so Paul says in verse 22 and 23, he says, And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church. So he gave Jesus as the head of the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. In the lives of the unbelieving, the Holy Spirit is still present there. And He has a ministry as well. John's Gospel, chapter 16, Jesus is telling His disciples that whenever He goes, He's going to send the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit's going to come and dwell inside of the hearts of the believers. But then He goes on to say, and when He comes, He will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. See, the Holy Spirit is there He's present. You can't get away from Him. Either you're going to allow Him on the throne of your heart or He's going to be knocking on the door and standing, in, standing convicting you. Concerning sin because they do not believe in Me. Concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you will see Me no longer. Concerning judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. 
See, here, ultimately, here's what it boils down to. Either Jesus is on the throne of your heart or you've let Satan be on the throne of your heart. And he's just a, he's a fake king. He's a temporary ruler that's already been dethroned. He's a lame duck. <laughs> and, and Jesus deserves that position. And we think we're, we're ruling our own hearts. But ultimately what we've done is we've opened up the door and we've said, Satan, come on in. But Satan has been defeated and so the Spirit says, no, that's not your king. He's not your king. Jesus is the only king worthy of your heart. And so maybe the Lord is saying that to you today. And what we're going to try to do, some of us are going to try to do is run and hide and get away from the Spirit. Psalm 139, David says, Where shall I go from your Spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. Meaning, it goes up, flies in the sky. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. That's the under part of the earth. If I take my wings Take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea. I get on a ship and I sail off as far as I can go. What does he say? Even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night. Even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as day for darkness is as light with you. You can't hide from the presence of our almighty King Jesus. You can't get away from Him. The Bible says that one day He's going to come. And I'm not going to preach next week's sermon because next week we're talking about His return. But 1 Thessalonians 5, For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night while people are saying there's peace and security. Then suddenly destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman and they will not escape. They will not escape. In the book of Revelation, when it's all over with, the one who fills all in all will return. Revelation 19, 15 through 16, from his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations and he will rule them with a rod of iron he will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God, the Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh, he has written a name, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Who is Jesus? And where is Jesus? Well, he is the one who is reigning with indescribable glory, immeasurable power, universal dominion, eternal authority, and inescapable eminence. When will he return? I don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us when he's coming back. The Bible doesn't tell us the day that we'll get to see him in glory. But it does tell us what we will do. The Bible says that all will behold him. We will all see him. And that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess 
that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now that's what's going to happen one day. Now here's the thing. With your heads bowed, your eyes closed. Everyone bow your heads, close your eyes. I want you to contemplate this question. Have you welcomed the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the risen Christ, have you welcomed Him to sit upon the throne of your heart? Anything but absolute and total allegiance to Him is rebellion against your Creator. And you'll stand in judgment for that one day. Or, right now, if you've not made Jesus the King of kings and the Lord of lords of your life, you can make that decision today. And what He will do is He will save you from your sin. He'll write your name down in the Lamb's book of life. And you will live with Him forever in heaven. And if that's your desire, I want you to pray this prayer with me. It's a simple prayer. But it's confessing your sin and asking Jesus to save you and declaring your allegiance to Him as your Lord. Just pray this prayer with me. Say, Dear Jesus, I admit to you that I am a sinner. I've done things that are wrong and I've failed to do the things I know are right. And I deserve the penalty for my sin. But Jesus, I believe that you left heaven's throne. You lived a sinless life here on this earth as a man. You died in my place on a sinner's cross. to pay the penalty for my sin. I believe you were raised again on the third day to prove that you are Lord of all. And so I ask you now to come into my heart. Forgive me of my sin. Save me, Lord Jesus. You are the Lord of my life. Give me a home in heaven when I die and I will spend the rest of my life loving you and living for you. In your holy name I pray. Amen. Would you stand with me? If you prayed that prayer and you meant that with all of your heart, the Lord Jesus has heard that prayer. The promise of Scripture is that the one who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. When you call out to Jesus as your sovereign, as your Lord, as your King, He will look down upon you with favor and He will save you from your sin and He will give you a, a place in heaven with Him, the Lord of the universe. And that's true if you've prayed that prayer. So if you've prayed that prayer, this is your invitation now for you to come and you to declare that for those around you. Let people know. Let us know what Jesus has done for you. And if you need prayer, our, our altar will be open for you to come and just bow before your King of Kings. Our altar counselors will be here to pray with you if you need someone to pray with you. And if you need a church family and you want to join Myrtle Grove Baptist Church and the Lord is leading you here, this is your invitation. So you come as we sing. Let's sing we